eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease and a whole lot of love, you transform 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. LED headlights, spoilers, whatever you need. eBay Motors has it at affordable prices. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride every time. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle. Because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider. And also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. Welcome to the NASCAR NBC Podcast. I'm your host, Nate Ryan. Today here at the Daytona International Speedway Media Center, where it is January 3rd, 2020, but on the third day of the new year, cars already rolling around the track, and it is for the roar before the Rolex 24, the test session leading into one of the biggest sports car races in the world, and one of the drivers that will be watched and and featured during this race is Dane Cameron from Team Penske. He's my guest today. Dane, thanks for being here. Thanks so much for having me. All right, so you come back into this race as the defending series champion. You and Juan Pablo Montoya won the championship for Penske last year in the DPI category in IMSA. How does it feel to roll in here where, obviously, it's not the big event yet. That'll be in a few weeks, but the Rolex 24 is such a prestigious big event, and you and JPM come in as top dogs in some ways. Yeah, it's always a nice way to start the year, no doubt. Kind of feel like you have the target on your back, and they... The way they kind of do the garages, if you are uh, if you win DP points, then you're kind of first box and first box in the pit. So it's kind of nice to have your little bonus, have your whole little world within a couple of steps between <laughs> your garage and truck and, uh, and pit lane setup. So we had a really great year last year, but uh, in the last two years, um, we've struggled a little bit or had some failures here in the in the big race in the Rolex. So, and you honestly don't get a ton of practice time when you come back for the race. So now it's really critical to make sure you leave here, you know, feeling satisfied with your prep for, for that. So we kind of were able to tick that championship box. So now we can kind of move forward to uh, really chasing after those big ticket races here in 2020. Last year's race here, the Rolex 24 in 2019 was, I thought, Dane, just a little bit of a disappointment because there was all this buildup, it felt like, for 16 hours. And then the, the last eight hours were just nonstop rain and it didn't have a lot of racing. And I think you guys had a mechanical that kind of slowed you guys down a little bit too as well, right? Yeah, yeah. We were we were running fine through uh, the early part of the rain there. I think the second, third kind of thing at one point. And um, just at that point, you kind of had to stay on the road and you wanted to stay up near the front where the visibility was still good um, and just stay in contention. And then, yeah, we had a mechanical failure with, I'm not even sure, a couple hours left to go that, that put us towards the back a little bit, which is unfortunate. And then yeah, I mean, it's never fun for anybody, fans or, and the rest of us to sit there with uh, long red flag periods and things like that. But the track was just it, so inundated with water. We just couldn't really run. You know, the, uh, you can't pump enough water at that stage, and you're just kind of a passenger. It would have right. been a, a better day for boat racing for sure. So <laughs> um, it's kind of just another thing that happens here that makes this race so, so, so tough to win. And obviously when they ended it early, not that it really played in any factor, but I think in some of the other classes, some some shuffling around with when you do pit stops and things like that have dictated some of the outcome of the race wins. So 
Um, definitely not I ideal, but yeah, maybe we'll get a little bit luckier uh, here and have some better better weather come this year and we can fight it out. If I have this correct, is this your 12th try to try to win I the think Rolex so, 24? Yeah. Okay. yeah. That's not to diminish your resume. It's very stately and very prestigious. You've got a lot of huge accomplishments, but I'm sure you want this one. What makes this race so challenging and difficult to win? Oh, man. I mean, I think just obviously the length of time, you can't really underestimate how how much time it is into the race and, you know, our normal races are kind of an hour and a half to two hours, 40 minutes, and you come here and do a 24-hour consistent race. So just for any car to be, you know, operated at maximum performance for that period of time just stresses everything. Um, you're dependent on your teammates. So obviously, unlike NASCAR or anything else, you've got at least three guys, sometimes four guys in your car. So you're dependent on your teammates to do a good job for them not to make mistakes. Um, you know, always the 50 cent kind of part failure can always come up and strike at any moment. And because our cars and our championship is always evolving, you can kind of find yourself some years maybe not in the right car kind of thing. So hmm. not necessarily just the, the team, obviously, like you see in, in other motor racing, but it's almost maybe a little bit more F1-esque in that, in that way that you need to kind of find yourself in the right brand of car in the right year that has good performance. I've been here and had um, really great runs with minimal dramas but just been in an, uh, a type of car that just wasn't so competitive that year because maybe it was a little bit older or, or whatever um, or something newer had showed up that same year that kind of had some pace on everybody um, and been in the right place and in the right car and led lots of laps and, and kind of had the 50 cent part failure so you just need so much to go right not only just from that reliability standpoint but then you have got to have the pace on top of it these days because it's so frantic here now. I mean, is it like running qualifying laps for it really a full is day? These days. Yeah, <laughs> really to be honest, it really is. So the the physical so there's no part breaks. Of it, yeah, the physical part has gotten a lot harder lately. Because normally you could just pace yourself a little bit easier, um, kind of look after your car, and then everyone would kind of start to push after daybreak. And um, now everybody wants to be in the lead and lead all the time. And and they've changed some rules for uh, lap down wave buys and things like that. So those don't happen as often. So hmm. normally if you had an issue and you lost one, two, even five laps, it was very easy to get those back. But now you can go hours without getting your lap back just because of the way things cycle. So everybody is pushing hard to be leading and to never go behind. Um, cause that's the easiest way to protect yourself in a way, in a way. So yeah, it really, it's, I guess maybe cliche to say, but it really is turned into a sprint race in, the 12 tries that I've done it here, I've really seen it kind of evolve in the in the pace of the race evolve. And is that combination both of uh, talent level of drivers being on the upswing, especially it seems like since the merger, we were talking earlier, some media members here that it just, it feels like it, it's really attracted a new caliber of driver. And obviously you now being in this race at 12 time, you've seen how that's changed over several years. And also the depth of the manufacturers and the, the equipment is just kind of confluence of all those things. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I think... Yeah. The, the merger was a great thing for the sport. And um, yeah, you're seeing more uh, high-class drivers and obviously now there's only one place to race. So that directs everybody to here, to this race. Everybody wants to win it to begin with. It's the natural evolution of cars, of, you know, race it, fix it, race, you know, kind of thing. So every year when something breaks, that part is stronger when it comes back the next year. So over a period of time, everything just gets stronger and stronger and stronger. So you're seeing a lot less failures kind of than you normally would here and things like that. And yeah, the, the game has certainly been raised here in distance records and, and lap time pace. Everything has gone up. The Michelin tire has increased the pace a lot. Um, so yeah, it's really, really tough to win. Yeah. And obviously it's 24 hours, which just seems daunting on its face, but Maybe for a casual sports fan or casual racing fan, NASCAR fan who doesn't know a lot about IMSA, and I'll plead guilty on this. I mean, I, I think about IMSA and I think Rolex 24, but 
this is the only 24-hour race you guys have. And then after that, there's Sebring, and then there's several races that are kind of like in the, the one and a half to two yeah, to six yeah, hour. One and a half to, yeah. yeah, one and a half, two hour 40, and a six hour race is kind of a mix of, of yeah, different lengths. Which are referred more to like sprint races, I think, versus yeah, endurance. Sure. Yeah. Just a couple of pit stops, you know, two drivers, one driver change. For most of those, you know, we go to a place uh, like Long Beach is a great example there. We go there with IndyCar as well as Detroit with IndyCar uh, and a 90 minute race. So, so that's kind of like one pit stop sometimes, uh, one driver change. So it's really kind of one shot to get it right. You know, it's sort of like, going to the last stage of, of a cup race and it's kind of all to play for one one shot you know um so that's definitely a lot of a different thing for sure and and i think our schedule is as you say nascar-esque in that way where we kick off with the big race that everybody wants to win you know right uh, we start with the 24 hours at daytona as opposed to the, the 500 so um yeah it's kind of strange to to kick off with the biggest one that you really want to win the most from the from the first one but it's kind of nice because you can really just focus on this one race not really have to worry about the rest of the year. You know, all your effort and focus can go into trying to win Daytona. And then once you go from there, you turn the page and, and get to the rest of the races. So, but yeah, it's, we have a great championship. We do a lot of great road courses, some street courses. Um, you've seen more and more guys, I think, over the last couple of years, obviously with Juan and Elio um, here with us at Penske uh, and Acura. You know, some IndyCar guys coming, sports car guys from all over the world. So, um, yeah, I think, as you say, the, the championship is growing and, and um, you know, gaining more recognition and more competition all the time. Is trying to win this race essentially like trying to get every other race on the schedule, like the things you talked about when you have a race with one pit stop or, or whatever, you, you need everything to go right. Is this kind of like a combination of all of those other races and you're trying to get basically like, I don't know, eight or nine or ten sprint races yeah, to go exactly. exactly right for 24 yeah. hours straight? Yeah, it really is. And that's I've used that same analogy to try to describe it because it's like, it's really just hard to put into context how long the car is running uh, compared to one of our normal races and how many pit stops the guys have to do and all those types of things. So, you know, when you see guys throwing away these short races that happen sometimes, like you say, that's almost 10 races that have to go perfect for you to win just this one race that pays the exact same amount of points <laughs> as all the rest of them. So in a way it's good because if it goes wrong, you're still in contention for the championship. But yeah, if it goes wrong, there's kind of that one shot done for um, for the year so uh yeah it's just so so challenging to have it go right and it's really evolved from being oh we'll just survive to the end and and that'll kind of get us into the top three or four or whatever to being not only do we still have to do that but we have to do that at maximum pace so this is year three with penske yes is that right okay yep. and and year three since penske restarted its sports car program obviously they have a huge history in indycar and i, I heard you say something i thought was really interesting in the way you kind of explained DPI in sports car, you said it was like IndyCar, but just heavier and with fenders. Is yeah. that a good way for... A yeah, I think so. Yeah, there's a lot of similarities. Um, we use carbon composite brake rotors that you see like in IndyCar and Formula 1, so the cars are really great on the brakes and, and prototype. Cars all, you know, purpose-built, purpose-designed for motorsport for one purpose. So unlike a GT car, which is, you know, going to have some bones from a, from a road car and a street car that's been modified for racing, our cars are built to a, a rule set basically that exists for this type of racing. Uh, and yeah, they're all made out of carbon fiber, kind of a similar center chassis and tub like you would see in an any car, things like that. But um, yeah, obviously the wheels are covered and you can really see it sometimes if you've ever seen some photos or if you come see us at the track when the guys are working on the cars, um, you can really see once they take the fenders off or the nose and it looks really similar. There's a couple of hmm. pieces they can take off, I think under the mirrors and stuff. And then it has a really similar side pod and everything. It, it, then it really kind of starts to see um, some tie-ins to uh, single-seater type stuff for sure. But yeah, we're, we're, I don't know, probably two or 300 pounds heavier maybe than in any car and a little bit less power. But 
you know, those weekends that we've shared the track with them, that we're only a couple of seconds off the pace now these days, and, and we have traction control. Um, they don't, things like that. So there's some differences, but yeah, they kind of seem to go more and more in line with single seaters and open wheel cars all, all the time. And, and the pace, as the pace gets faster as yeah. well. Yeah. And then of course, big difference again, the, the, the fenders, you guys can make some contact. Yeah. Not a, not a lot. I presume not a like bit. a NASCAR short track race. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's no dumping guys like at, uh, at Martinsville <laughs> for sure, but, uh, we can lean on some guys. And, and for me, I've, I've really enjoyed the racing here, um, for, for a while that I've been here now. And, uh, yeah, it's, IndyCar has great racing and great performance, um, but yeah, the cars are, qu are quite delicate, and sometimes that can um, hamper the overtaking and the, the wheel-to-wheel racing because you have to protect the car, or if there is any small contact, then one guy's out of the race. So for us, see the wheels are more protected, so yeah, you can kind of lean on guys a little bit here and there, but still a lot of really delicate aerodynamic pieces that are around the car, and if you damage it, then you start going slower and all that kind of stuff. But it is cool to... Um, to feel like you can get your elbows out a little bit more and uh, and kind of get after it a bit for sure yeah. makes the racing a little more interesting. So for someone who's a NASCAR fan, you, you grew up uh, in an area that people probably would know near Sonoma Raceway, yep. right? Yeah, a few uh, miles north of the of the track there. Yeah. And so, how does one get from there into top level of of sports car racing? Because it seems like at one point you were kind of racing open wheel, maybe yep. more go karts, and then your, your path kind of changed. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I grew up in the area there, so. Uh, it really was a pretty strong, you know, hotbed or grow growing spot for, for go-karting. Shifter kart racing was really big in Northern California at that time. And my family has been involved in racing and, and been involved in open wheel racing and things like that for a long time. So I kind of grew up around that type of racing and that was really what I knew. Um, and obviously what my dad knew to be able to help me a little bit. We didn't, I don't even know where the nearest, I think there's a dirt track in Petaluma or something that's on the other side of the hill from the track, but, you know, I didn't even know where the nearest oval track was kind of from where, from where I grew up hardly. Uh, yeah. So it was all karting and then to going from shifter car racing kind of next step is kind of your junior formula stuff, which is now, you know, formally no, or formerly known as road to Indy. It was kind of in its early inception when I was in uh, single seaters in the mid two thousands. Yeah. And grew up there and then kind of get to the end of the road there. Like a lot of us do in that it was former Atlantic that I was in, but you know, uh, equivalent to Indy Lights and you kind of run out of money and run out of yeah. people to ask for favors and <laughs> and the, the the budgets are high and the step to get to IndyCar is even higher and, and we right. kind of like okay well uh, now what are we going to do we're kind of stuck can't afford to keep staying in junior single seaters can't afford to go to IndyCar really and there's obviously opportunities are really tough and I think actually that was 2000 yeah so it was 2008 which is when the the IRL and Champ Car merger was so mm -hmm. everything was kind of really in flux over there at that time so um it was like okay well this sort of seems like a good time to maybe to switch to sports cars um and my family had just been involved a little bit more in sports cars in that kind of couple of years leading up to that so I was learning more and more about what it was like over here and seeing that there was you know two drivers a car so there's a couple more opportunities for for guys and and all I really wanted to do was to, you know, earn a living being a race car driver. I wasn't really too fussed on what shape the car was or where it was racing. I just, I wanted somebody to pay me to drive a race car. Um, <laughs> Didn't matter which kind. Yeah, it wasn't. I, I always, I did want to go to, to IndyCar and to Champ Car. I really did because I grew up around it and that's what you saw. And yeah, you wanted to get there. Never, never quite did. But it was like, okay, well, this, I can go here and I can maybe commit to it early and might take a year or two or three or whatever. But it gives me a better shot at having a, a long career, and which is what I wanted. And um yeah, it took a couple of years to get to, um, you know, work your way up through some of the higher teams. And, you know, experience is really uh, valuable here in sports car racing, you know, because of the long races, you have to bring extra guys. So to build a network takes a little bit of time of, uh, you know, meet people to, to trust you. And it's 
kind of funny how that works because you think, oh, I just need to be fast and I'll just I'll get the job or whatever. But, you know, here because you're bringing somebody new in or somebody extra in, they they need to have some level of trust and confidence and know that you've done a couple of the races and you're not going to sort of bounce off guys or offenses or whatever. So he definitely feels like you kind of have to put in your time a little bit and um, kind of earn your stripes before you get the, the opportunities that you really want at the at the top teams. So I got to ask the obligatory NASCAR question here would be, you grew up in an area that's sort of near Jeff Gordon, who grew up in Vallejo and, mm-hmm. and obviously and yeah, very uh, close. NASCAR was at Sonoma when you were growing up, or I think it just gotten there. Yeah, it was Yeah, it was always there. Yeah. Did, did you have any desire or did the Jeff Gordon path ever appeal to you as like... An option. Yeah, I mean, it honestly, it didn't, but I think it was just because of, it seems foolish to say that now, knowing what I know n- now and, and, and the respect that I have for, for the cup guys. And, and once I got to see a few of my friends switch from single seaters or sports cars to NASCAR, you know, like McDowell was a guy that my dad had worked with a number of times. So sort of seeing guys like that, that I knew and, and respected and seeing them go there and, and really see firsthand like how difficult it was and how good a lot of the guys were there was really interesting to see. So, but growing up in a family that ran small formula cars, you know, for a living, that was sort of all you really knew. So it seemed so foreign to sort of switch and go down a path that would have been, you know, sprint cars or whatever. It was like, we didn't know anything about that kind of stuff, (laughs) but I knew that my dad could help me, you know, understand how to make a single seater formula car go fast. So that's kind of what I knew and what I could lean on to, to, advance my progression or, or get a leg up on the guys I was racing against kind of thing. So it just sort of made the most sense at the time. And, uh, yeah, maybe, I mean, who knows what would have been different if, um, if my dad was, uh, knew more about, uh, circle track racing than, than road yeah. course racing. But I think you're just kind of a product of, of your environment for sure. And, and, and that was mine and, uh, and it worked for me. What kind of adjustment is it, Dane, to go to a series where you are splitting time with other drivers in a car because it's not like sports cars are exclusive there are other instances where drivers share cars uh in other circuits but predominantly what we know here in north america is is indycar nascar where it's just it's one guy and you know you coming up through the ranks was sort of that way what's it like to just sort of i guess rewire your brain and understand like it's not just me who's responsible for the fate of this this vehicle yeah for sure it's it's a it can be a pretty big change. I think it sort of depends on, on your attitude to it a little bit for sure. And, and maybe whatever your approach was where you were racing. Um, but you really just kind of have to have some compromise and have to have some trust a little bit in your, in your teammate. And, and yeah, I think you see that sometimes in sports cars that, um, once there's a really good pairing, a lot of times they'll try to sort of stick together as much as they can because, they trust each other. They get along. They like the same thing from the race car, and that's so beneficial than having two guys that are different opinions on what they want. Those are a lot of the things you'll see are just kind of one-year things. But like a good example is a lot of the guys at Corvette or uh, like Joey Hand and Dirk Mueller drove together for forever, even with two brands. So those are again just sort of two guys that really hit it off, really like the same thing, and got results from it. So to change your whole approach to being well. It's even all the little things like the seating position, things like that, where you can get so comfortable in a cup car or an Indy car because you can just have it however you want. You know, it's the seat is made for you. Pedals are made for you. You know, nobody undermines anything that you're trying to do. Right. Um, and then you come to to here and you can make your seat and the next guy doesn't fit in it or the pedals are too close. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, well, that's as far away as I can have it. And the next guy is like, well, okay, it's a little bit close, but as long as it's not any closer kind of thing and you and you end up just making some small compromises here and there and kind of, I guess, maybe letting go of the little things a little bit when it comes to some of that kind of stuff. And then there's a whole separate element to the working relationship and, and 
making the race car go faster because now the engineer is going to have two sets of opinions instead of one or crew chief, whatever you want to call it. You know, two sets of opinions there on one guy's going to say, go do five laps in the car, come in and say, oh, it's so understeery, I can't even drive it. Next guy's going to say, I'm so loose, I'm crashing every lap. And then what's the engineer to do then? So yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. that can be really difficult to get onto that same page to make things better uh, for sure. And, so, and like I say, you kind of have to find the right balance between sort of standing up for what you really want and what you really need so that you can perform and then maybe giving up or flexing a little, flexing a little bit here and there on, on certain things that aren't bothering you or, or whatever. But yeah, when you find the right the right partnership and the right guy to be with, it, it really can just push the program to the next level. It certainly seems like you and Juan Pablo Montoya have found that partnership. Three wins last year, yep. I think, on the way yeah, to the championship. Yeah. What is it about JPM? Because I've covered Montoya going back to NASCAR days, and really the kart days. You and he don't seem to have a lot in common, <laughs> but obviously you have a really good working relationship. How did you know you guys had hit it off, and why do you think it works so well together? Yeah, I think I think we just started to have some fun, really, to be, to be honest. Um, <laughs> uh, he's probably a little bit more more brash than, than I am and likes to uh, likes to pick on people and have, have some fun <laughs> but for me it's I like to enjoy myself too I mean if you come here and everything's really serious and you're really miserable all the time then it's uh, tougher to perform when you're in the car if you're kind of enjoying yourself and you surround yourself with the right people in a good environment um, then things really start to come together a lot a lot easier I think and for sure in the first year in 18 we had maybe a little bit of that where he wanted kind of one thing I wanted something a little bit different and um, we didn't really know each other, had never worked together before. And obviously I had obviously been in this series and had a lot of experience and he had, he has tons of experience and success in other formulas. So I think maybe a little bit of, uh, trying to not arguing is the wrong word to say, but just trying to figure out who's actually right kind of thing and, and who's going to take maybe charge or we felt like one of us should take charge kind of thing. And sure. Just fueling each other out for understanding where yeah, the strengths yeah, and weaknesses yeah. are. Yeah. yeah. I think a little bit of that or, yeah. or whatever. And, and once we got kind of later into the year and did a couple of races and, and it, we started to just, tr I think, trust each other a lot more and, and have good respect for each other that he can drive the car and be on pole. I can drive the car and be on pole. He can do the last 20 minutes of the race and he's capable of winning. And, and I can. And he started to trust me that I could do the same and kind of found out that like, okay, I, I really like these tracks. I really like those tracks kind of thing. And, and started instead of, you know, thinking one of us needed to be in charge of the program, you know, pushing ourselves to be, to be better. And, and if a guy was really happy one weekend, it was like, hey, man, you know, go for it. It's, it's your deal kind of thing. And if it was switched around, then we had no problem going back the other way. So for, uh, for a guy that, that makes as much noise as he does, it was really not <laughs> ego driven in any way once no. we kind of got to, to the middle part of the year. And then we were really strong. and just didn't have any results. So once we came in to start a 19, we just had a really good plan and there was just never any drama between us. It was really, um, really good and healthy in that way, I guess. So we always wanted to be better as a team and not better as individual guys or whatever because we wanted to win and I think he started to understand that okay well we both have to do this together if we're going to win I, I can't do all the work and he can't do all the work type of thing uh, and then we really started to find a better balance for the two of us for the race car as well I think with our engineer um, you know same guy over the course of the program but I think he really started to hone in on on what the two of us needed and finding a better compromise where we were both happier and close to happy as we could be and that allows you to get the the best out of yourself performance wise and then you know and then it's just easier because there's less fighting over oh i want the car to go this way i want the car to go that way kind of thing and juan pablo certainly seems to have that really i think that's why he reached f1 he's got that mentality of being almost like honest to a fault uh in yeah. some ways which yeah. uh, which i think is good yeah, it seems like people always know where they stand with yeah. Juan Pablo, uh, I presume that's the, the type of working relationship you like having with a driver. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, I, I think you have to be. So, 
and like I said, I think it, we're just the honesty and I think you realize that he just kind of wants to have fun and, and drive race cars and he's really not into drama and any of that kind of stuff and <laughs> even though it sometimes follows him because yeah, yeah, the, the way he races him, guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, sometimes he can't bite his tongue you know but it uh, kind of makes everybody love him at the same time you know so yeah it just we really just found a really great way to to have fun at the racetrack and then become closer you know friends even away from the track and things like that kind of thing so it really kind of came together nicely for sure and, and he's got a ton of experience for sure from a lot of different programs that he's been in and um yeah we've just found a really really good balance for that do you have a favorite story with him yet or something he's done or said or uh, oh man something you can tell us publicly <laughs> <I guess. laughs> yeah there's not, a, there's not many you have to are, think through that for yeah, a while exactly this, unless you get a bleeper machine on this thing uh, <laughs> <laughs> but i mean it's just he's for me he's the right this the right guy you know we just really seem to fit well together and um for sure when you come to a place like uh, team penske i think from the outside there's maybe this kind of perception in a way that it's um you know, with the black pants and everything and very, um, very straight and which it is, and it's very professional, but he's a good guy there just to kind of break the ice every once in a while when it's getting a little stuffy in the room kind of thing to, to just have a little joke or, uh, make fun of Elio's hair or something like that. <laughs> just to sort of, just to lighten the mood a little bit. If things are a little bit tense, he's, he's good, you know, and it's, it's sort of silly and, and childish and whatever, but it, it, it's fun, you know, and I think that, um, kind of helped me get a little bit more comfortable for sure, you know, cause I was new to the team and you're, and you're trying to find your way you know, through and, uh, and all that kind of stuff. And it's, it's kind of good to have the, the class clown in there a little bit for <laughs> sure. But most of the favorite stories got to be just, I think when we came, it must've been at the roar, maybe it was the race, the first year of the program and, and Ricky and I are, are, are new and we're trying to be very careful because we are, we're at Penske and we're very excited <laughs> and we want to be here and we're <laughs> trying to, you, you guys know, have read all those stories about press yeah, pants yeah, and shirts. Like, okay, yeah. yeah. We need to stay in the, in the line and in the box and yeah. be very careful and, we were somewhere in, and Brian Till was uh, um, you know, mediating something and Elio and Juan were just going after each other for anything. It's like Juan's after Elio for his coloring his hair and, and Elio's after Juan for being, you know, needing to lose weight. And it was just like this back and forth. And Ricky and I are just in the crosshairs of this stuff, just, just dying as they go after each other because we didn't know them very well. We'd only been around the two of them for a couple of days at this yeah. point. And they've got, you know, 20 years worth of history of, together. So that, that was probably one of the funniest things. When you got hired at Penske, Dane, did you even did you know you'd be paired with Montoya, or was that were you guys hired separately, or how does that work? Yeah, no, it was all kind of separately. I think Juan was the first guy committed to the program, and then I think I was second. And that was funny. And I did uh, I'll tell the story because I told it at one of our winning toasts at, at Penske the other day. <laughs> <laughs> so I go and I sign my my contract with t with Tim Sindrick in the shop and and everything. You know, obviously really exciting. And I kind of hand it back over to him. He says, "So we're going to put you with Montoya." And then I was thinking, did I do something wrong? Is, <laughs> is he mad at me? Like, why is he giving me that guy? <laughs> like, this is, is going to be a lot of work. Like, I'm not sh really sure how this is going to go. <laughs> but obviously, whether it was just we were the first two guys, so we got stuck together, or if he, he seemed to think we would go together. Obviously, he kind of split up the IndyCar guys with the sports car guys with Ricky and I. But, yeah, I mean, I, I'm super happy with, with Juan, and we have a ton of fun. And, yeah, but at first I was like, oh, okay, what's <laughs> – <laughs> what's happening why why how's this all gonna go and i uh, think i was driving home from from signing and and uh and juan called me and we sort of spoke on the phone for the first time you know and had never really met him and then uh they were doing a race at 
Petit, they were doing the last IMSA race of the year, you know, went over and spent some time or whatever. But yeah, at first I wasn't really sure what I was in for because the guy definitely has a bit of a reputation <laughs> for sure, yeah, from, sure from all his stuff. So I was like, oh man, how's this going to go? <laughs> it's gone pretty well, I think. Yeah, it's gone really well. So well. he brings obviously a, a sterling resume, Dana, and he's got two Indy 500s. You're on a team here at the Rolex with seven Indianapolis 500 <laughs> victories among your drivers. you got Pagano now with one, JPM with two, Rossi with one, Elio's got three. You've got three IMSA championships, and I believe, are you the only three-time champion? Uh, since the merger. Weather? Since the merger, yeah, okay. since and the merger, yeah. So you had two before you got to Penske. What's that like for you to be, I mean, obviously, the Indianapolis 500 is the biggest race in the world. So when I or other people who don't normally write about IMSA write about Team Penske, we're going to write about those guys. And sure. Not as much you, yeah. which isn't really fair to you. <laughs> um, but how do you how do you handle that? Uh, it's been fun. I mean, I think for, it's kind of cool for, for Ricky and I, and Ricky and I have known each other for, for a long time. We're about the same age. Same age. We've been here kind of similar amount of time. And, and we've always really felt sometimes in just conversation, like, oh, we kind of feel like sometimes the series is underrated and some of the guys here in the competition were sort of underrated in a way. And it, it's cool when those guys come because they have such a reputation and they have success in, in formulas that are a little bit more uh, mainstream than, than IMSA is. Uh, so it's cool to have those guys around and obviously the draw that they bring and the people that they bring to the races is, you know, not to be underestimated for sure. So it's cool to share a car with with those kind of guys and um, definitely, you know, when the program is over or whatever, whenever that is, then it'll be definitely really cool to, to think back when, when you're done racing or whatever that you got to share cars and, and time with those guys that have achieved so much success and that, and that will, you know, no doubt be kind of Hall of Fame and legendary type guys in, in the future for sure. If not now, you know, because they're old, so <laughs> work that in there. But <laughs> yeah, you're definitely on the younger side of uh, um, this equation. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's it's cool for us. I mean, it's just Ricky and I didn't get those kind of opportunities to go to IndyCar, but now it's really cool to share cars with those guys and and kind of prove not only to yourself, to yourself, I guess, more maybe more, but to everybody else as well that you know you have caliber and and pace to run with some of the you know best guys in in the world or best guys there ever were. You know, so that's that's pretty cool and. um can help you sleep at night sometimes for yeah. sure. <laughs> yeah. and, and you mentioned your other teammate there, Ricky Taylor, who is also an overall series champion yep. and a winner of the Rolex 24 as well. So I, I agree with you. I think that the, the fact that you guys hold your own with those names that I mentioned, like Pagano and Montoya, Rossi, and Castro Neves, it says a lot about both of you. Yeah, it's pretty hard to argue with the uh, the caliber of, of people that we have over there. Yeah. You know, everybody yeah. aside from the two sports car guys, like you say, are... Uh, or any 500 winners, so it's yeah. a pretty special crowd over there. And they're all home run hitters. Of, yeah, a lot of bling and rings. And <laughs> yeah. you know, <laughs> Watches <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> so you're the um, only Team Penske IMSA driver who lives in North Carolina, and you're in Huntersville, yep. I think, about so it's about 15 miles or so yeah. from the shop. How often do you go there, and do you get a chance to interact with the NASCAR or the IndyCar side of Penske very much? Or? Yeah, I mean, obviously our schedule's a lot more relaxed, uh, only having 10 races compared to... Um, you know, obviously the NASCAR schedule and then the middle part of the IndyCar can be pretty crazy there with some of their back-to-back -back races, back-to-back-to-back-to-back. -to -back -to -back -to -back. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I don't I spend a ton of time there for sure just because we have bigger breaks and with everyone else being remote, a lot of times they're just kind of calls or we'll do it at the racetrack, some of our meetings and things just while everybody's there and everything's fresh because we just, you know, we don't have that Monday morning thing like a cup team would on their kind of normal schedule. So, but, I, but yeah, I go up and it's convenient to be there for sure anytime there's a a seat fit or something or come see this come check out that it's, it's kind of cool to be the guy that's there to to come do a lot of that stuff and a lot of times i'll go up for the meetings and just sit in and do the call from there and then we can catch up on a few other things that are that afterwards that are on your mind kind of thing so 
Uh, I like being there. I didn't move there for the program. I'd moved there a couple of years prior. Um, oh, no kidding. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Like right before I was actually at uh, Action Express, which is also based in, in North Carolina sure. area and then went to Penske. So it, it kind of worked out uh, perfectly for that. But it's cool to be there for, for sure. It's definitely really, really convenient. But every once in a while you see the guys, obviously they're they're really busy with the cup programs and things like that. But a few times, I think uh, Brad, for sure, you've seen him in the back in the sports car shop, just kind of cruising around, just seeing what's in the building and whatever. So it was cool one day he was there and just coming by and you know everyone's a racer you know they want to see the car see what's different yeah about from from where they normally are and he was kind of hanging around the car and looking around and asking questions and things like that so uh it's cool to um you know share a different type of racing with with those kind of guys and obviously the penske games is a whole nother deal where everybody's <laughs> all together and, and that's a ton of fun as well because obviously has that inquisitive nature so it doesn't surprise Definitely, me that yeah. he would he would come over and be asking me some questions i've heard joseph newgarden say that as well that when he would uh, when he lived in the area and would spend time at the shop he would always go over and see what the nascar guys are doing you know you've got this team owner who is allowed dabbling i think by his drivers in other series i know newgarden's been lobbying to maybe run a nascar race and scott mclaughlin is i think it lined up for a test right. and have you ever thought about petitioning roger or tim Sindrick? <laughs> Uh, hey, maybe let me try another series sometime. Yeah, I'd love to. Yeah, I mean, uh, make a little bit of noise here and there for sure. You don't want to um, <laughs> wear them out with that <laughs> kind of stuff for sure. And I think they definitely like for everyone to stay focused on their their main program and, and make sure that we're you know delivering the results that uh, are expected in in our division, I guess, if you like. But yeah, I mean, uh, you'd love an opportunity to try anything in the building for sure because they're all first class programs. You saw the results that, that the team had uh, overall in 2019 we're, we're pretty staggering really in a way so yeah it, you know that you're going to be able to sample one of the best cars of its type you know if you get to try something else for sure and um yeah i, I drove a i guess it was a canon west car at that time one time i did a couple of laps at uh at sonoma so that's the only time i ever drove in a stock car and um yeah never never did quite get to make the, the opportunity to try an indie car so those are definitely things i'd love to have a go in and uh you know road course races obviously a little bit more of my wheelhouse than the, than the oval stuff. But yeah, I'd love to have a go in anything they have for sure. If they need ever <laughs> rose, definitely be first in line. Yeah, well, you've certainly been immersed in racing all your life. Just want to wrap up here, Danny. I, I know you're, you mentioned your family is has a, has that racing background. I, I understand um, your dad is an engineer. Yeah. In so for a rival team. Yeah, yeah, so? okay. Yeah, here. So my my uncle was a was a race car driver. My family's actually from uh, New Zealand originally. So uh, they came ah. came to America for to for motorsport. You know for follow more opportunities that are here than, than in New Zealand and uh, started running teams and that. So, but yeah, now my dad's a race engineer, has been for, for a number of years. Um, but yeah, once I came to prototype full-time again in um, 15, 2015, he was uh, already race engineering for another team and it was like, oh, <laughs> uh, oh okay, I guess I never really <laughs> thought that, that this was ever going to happen. Like we, He was my engineer together one time when I was in, uh, in a formal car. So that was fun. So we did have one year working together, which was pretty special. Uh, and and we were able to win the championship together, which was cool. Uh, and then we kind of, you know, go your separate ways and he's there and engineers can kind of bounce around a little bit as well, you know, like drivers. So you're always in a different place and different category. And it, honestly, it never, ever crossed my mind that, that we would be at a place where we'd be competing <laughs> against each other. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's, so here we are. So kind of five or six years now worth of him being uh, at different prototype teams as a, as a race engineer and myself being a driver. So kind of kind of funny and a little bit less to talk about around the dinner table than, <laughs> than we used to when I was a kid growing up and I, and I needed help and, and had questions for him as a, a little bit less questions. And, and uh, now it's a little bit more of a, how are the kids, how's mom, than, uh, <laughs> than what are you doing or what did you learn kind of thing. So, uh, but, it's, but it's cool. Yeah, I mean, obviously you get your, got my passion from, from him and, and the family and uh, 
it's cool to be able to to share it still together and now i see him probably more often at the racetrack than anything else because yeah. they still live in california and, and i live in north carolina so uh, we don't go home too often these days, but uh, it's cool to be able to at least bump into them at lunch at the at the racetracks and and we say hi hi hello and that kind of thing. And that's but, it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Now, uh, yeah. Now I get I get paid to beat my dad for a living. <laughs> so I would <laughs> think though bizarre. he's he's immensely proud of you, but you're not going to sit there and trade trade secrets or anything no, like that. Or no, anything like that no, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> not anymore. Not anymore for sure. Yeah. Like we used to, and uh, it's it's cool. I mean, he's definitely. Uh, it's his job to win races. It's my job to win races. And if his car beats me, then yeah, it's if I am going to get beat and it's not my, I guess my teammate car, then uh, that's kind of the next best thing to ha to have them win. And and uh, you know, happy for him because you know, as a driver in it, you need to have success to uh, to maintain a job and maintain a living. And yeah, I think the same for him. He's just you know just as happy if I can win than than anything else, as long as he has an okay day as well. So <laughs> and then the yeah, then there's my poor mom stuck in the middle between the two of us. And usually usually somebody's a little bit unhappy <laughs> when it comes to the end of the day, I whether bet. it's uh, him or I. So uh, yeah. And then sorry for her. your wife and kids travel with you as well to the races. Come a couple races, okay. yeah, not too All many. Right. Uh, right. Yeah, they're they're in school, so um, yeah, a little bit here and there for sure, but maybe three tops. So sometimes it can be just a full Cameron. Dane yeah, Cameron family yeah. Affair. Usually we'll go to Cal. <laughs> um, you know, Laguna Seca is is one, so it's close to home. So we'll kind of make a trip out of that. My wife has some family in uh, in Chicago, so sometimes we do Road America and see some you know extended family in Chicago, make a little trip out of it, kind of thing. So, um, but yeah, not not too many. It's uh you know, obviously I need, I'm focused on, on what I have to do on the weekend. And, um, she always complains cause I'm not real personable or real social or <laughs> maybe a little stressed out sometimes on the race weekends. And, uh, she doesn't like hanging out with me here when I'm spending too much time at the racetrack and not really worried about them and a little more worried about what I'm yeah, doing. You're working. You got yeah. a lot going on. Uh, and namely is, uh, winning your first Rolex 24, which, uh, certainly wish you much luck and get a chance to do Thank that you. in a few weeks. And, uh, thanks for sitting down with you, Dane. Really appreciate it. Enjoyed the uh, conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Our thanks again to Dane Cameron for taking some time out of his busy schedule during the roar before the Rolex 24 test session at Daytona earlier this month. And our thanks as well to David Hovis at Team Penske for setting up this conversation. The Rolex 24 is this weekend at Daytona International Speedway. You can catch all 24 hours of this sports car classic through NBC Sports Group. You can check my social media at Nate Ryan on Twitter for the full breakdown of how to watch the Rolex 24. This endurance race will start and end on NBC, also will be showing on NBCSN and the NBC Sports app during the 24-hour duration, so be sure to check out my Twitter handle, at Nate Ryan, for a full schedule on how to watch the Rolex 24, and we encourage you also to go to Motorsports Talk, NBCSports.com motors. I'll have daily posts covering the Rolex 24 throughout the week, so be sure to check out NBCSports.com motors for all of your Rolex 24 coverage. The NASCAR NBC podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Please leave a rating and review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think. That really helps us in spreading the word. And as always, you can send me feedback on Twitter, at Nate Ryan is my handle. Thanks again for listening to the NASCAR NBC podcast. This summer, click into cordless power with Memorial Day savings at the Home Depot. Tackle more than half an acre of grass with the convenience and gas-like power of the Ryobi 40-volt battery-powered mower. 
and keep your flower beds fresh with the 40 volt cordless string trimmer. Then clear debris with the 40 volt jet fan leaf blower. Click into Memorial Day savings happening now at your cordless power source, The Home Depot. How doers get more done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.